looking for the king of podcasts, you're in the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want to host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You drive me wild. <laughs> what up, Crazy Train Radio? You look like hell. And I could look the same. What's the photo for? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! 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 I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. host in a podcast world, Croc, Jonathan Steele. Boy, do we have a good one for you today. What does everybody want? I'm former WWE superstar Al Snow, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, yes, this is our state of the business, as you will, son, with my poor Dusty Rhodes impression. But obviously going to do that or do the show as well as talk a little of the AEW revolution for this first segment. We're actually gonna break this down into segments, folks, because for those who've seen the announcement on social media, I the Croc is in a beautiful place called Burger U on the campus of University of Central Florida, right literally 25 yards from where revolution is gonna be happening tonight. As of this recording, and yes, I will be trying the food and all 
from our gracious hosts, but over in the West Coast, as usual, wrestling legendary photographer, Dr. Mike Lano, was kind enough to run home after some personal stuff going on. Won't put that out publicly, but he wanted to join on to help talk about AEW Revolution. Dr. Mike, how are you? Other than oh, I'm doing fine. Well, other the personal stuff was I couldn't get into the house. I couldn't find my house keys and I rushed over, cut my swim in half. But I want to know if you're having a great time where you are. What did you do yesterday briefly? Did you, What happened? There was signings and then there was food. What the hell did you do yesterday? Yes. Uh, as we speak of, and that's a good question, Dr. Mike, we had a, or I should say not me because I wasn't involved in booking it, wasn't booking the territory. We'll get in that in a second. But they had AEW had a fan fest and they had an event with signings. You can do paid signings. There was a couple of freebies wandering around of the talent. They had the, if you, for those who are familiar with the AEW product, they had the upper deck because present the sports card company because they have the now AEW card set there. They had uh, action figures there from ringside collectibles, which I will say, and I don't know if you saw a video of this, but I know you would know the whole Brody Lee story. Well, yesterday, I guess the biggest news out of yesterday, and I think it was a very good thing, which was ringside collectibles announced the new action figure for, for negative one, who is Brody's son, and Brody action figure together and they yeah. presented it to negative one in their ring which yeah. was kind of cool how often do they put out figures because it seems like maybe every four months it's hard to keep up with it I don't get the press releases I, I, I don't know if they even they must yeah. send the press release I should get on that list it, exactly I'm working on getting on those lists as we speak but I, I would think it's quarterly like you said every four months three four months give or take because the crazy thing was they initially started advertising they were going to be exclusively at kmart but none ever appeared really just a uh, a ring an AEW ring and then all of a sudden they're at target and that's like the only place i've really seen them is to target okay because i was going to say when you say kmart last I, an article i saw two weeks ago there's only four existing kmarts uh currently in existence Oh, well, then we have a, not Kmart, Walmart. Yes. Yeah, I thought they were saying that they were going to be, when they first launched the line, they were going to be at Walmart, and and I never found the figures there. I, I, initially, I just found an AEW ring. They were prepared to get figures, never got them, but Target seems to be the exclusive carrier. Uh, we don't have KB Toys or Toys R Us, yes. any of the cool stuff anymore yeah it's certainly not what it used to be now i am a of the generation that was part of the toys r us rage in the late 80s early 90s that's for sure but yeah i've got pretty much all this stuff so let me ask you the back to yesterday the fan fest and any other events you might have gone to like at the bar were there some non aw uh, folks we'd recognize there who was who was there I'm, I'm guessing Meltzer but uh, maybe some wrestlers or Brian Alvarez who who was there that you've been seeing you know who I ran into would 
when it was funny because I'm working on having her on again. And I happened to run into her at the building because I spotted her talking with Vicky Guerrero at the Heels Table, which is the all women's program. But I ran into Teal Toons, Ariel Teal Toons, and her husband. Oh, she got married. She got married? Yes. And she, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but the gentleman she works with in the ring uh, was with her. Yeah, they, they are actually married and they live here in Orlando. So, really, it, because she was, her mom and, and the whole family moved from like Oregon. They sold the place there after Roddy died. I spoke at his funeral and his memorial. And the memorial was at the comedy store on Sunset Boulevard in LA, where I now am. But Every year at Cauliflower, the last couple of years, they would ask to sit at my table. So they would sit at our with me at the banquet oh, yeah. table. And they'd moved to Vegas, and they were all there. So that was I last I saw them all uh, was 2019, and uh, I was hoping Ariel, as uh, her Teal Piper character, would have gone on because she was very cool doing it. I, you know, thrust and all this trademark Roddy stuff. But uh, let's have her on because uh, oh, oh, music or singing or something like that. What's that? Was uh, Ariel Toombs going to do some music? Because I keep in touch with Baby Doll, uh, Nicola, and her daughter is an accomplished uh, musician, like a uh, sort of a Susie Sue and the Banshees type uh, goth singer. Oh, that I'm not too sure of, but I know Teal was visiting some friends backstage and everything else. Like I said, I happened to run into her in a concourse and we have been talking to have her back on. So we were talking closer to the end of the month. We will lock down a date and I will know more. Yeah, because we're trying to get women in the business and extended family business on your charity event, you know, and uh, that would be great if we could somehow push through there because she, the last time I talked to she and Colt, her brother, they enlisted me to supply pictures for their separate book on Roddy, which is different than the one where most all the photos were mine, whether they were credited to me or from Roddy Piper's personal collection. He forgot to credit me on those, giving him that stuff. And I shot him in more places in the world than anyone, as he said, uh, including his lone New Japan tour. But anyway, um, was there, at the autograph thing, did legends who don't necessarily wrestle, like uh, Dean Malenko or uh, Arn, did they do signings too? Did you see them? Uh, no, they were not. And I will say this, and I don't want to sit and bash the company. It's not about what this is. But no, we love AEW. Yeah. But I will say is from being at other events before, whether covering or as a fan, it doesn't seem as well organized as other things I've been to in terms of, because I am with some fans as well that I know who live in the area and they trying to find stuff that they had purchased tickets for and stuff. And it's like, yeah. What, they get the hang of it. I mean, the company's only, it's not even a half years old. I, I have a feeling they'll get the hang of it. You know, the first couple of wrestle cons, <laughs> I was the hired photographer for uh, it was a, a joint thing. The first, uh, it wasn't really even called High Spots, but the WrestleCon, it was in Tampa, 2005. And uh, anyway, that but was- yeah, you'll get, they'll get those sea legs under them, that's for sure. 
So what other, now we, we should let people know. So you're there covering it. The show is just a mere couple of hours away, like less than four hours away for you. And you're across the street from where revolution's going to occur. And I'm, I'm gonna throw out, a, uh, well, are we, uh, I don't know what, what segment we're in now, but are we uh, doing our picks? Are we doing any picks? Or are we, can, we can do our picks, because I know when I sent you the link and everything last night, you, you responded this morning saying you would like to, because of the personal schedule, you'd like to focus on talking know, about my, the car. My mother-in-law is in the hospital, so I uh, already took care of that before I went swimming, cut my swimming short, then couldn't find my house keys. Typical uh, idiot Dr. Mike stuff and, and found them before I had to barge open a window and break it into my own house. But, <laughs> um, I, I was impressed with... Uh, uh, Impact's pay-per-view last night. It was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, surprising that the tag team championships, uh, etc., occurred. Like seeing Chelsea Green get her shot at Donna Perazzo, Diana Perazzo. I don't know if there's going to be some bleed over uh, of the talent there. Uh, people are wondering now. I, I mean, well, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Let me let you do the flow, but everything is still like Cody Rhodes. What's the latest vibe you're getting on Cody there? Ooh, and that's going to be one of the two things I want to bring up before we talk about the card. Because with, besides the state of the business, which shortly as we sit here, I'm going to be joined in the restaurant with Alex Red, who runs uh, ARW here in the Orlando area, one of the bigger independents. But um, with as far as Cody, it's quite interesting. And the gossip we see on the internet, everything we know is true on the internet. But no. the latest stuff I've seen, well, obviously it was, oh, he's going to WWE, going to WWE, whatever. And then I saw something this morning, which, again, I take it tongue-in-cheek, is because AEW announced the parting ways with Cody at the time is Vince apparently cut the offer in half or whatever that was initially on the table when Cody was just known as a free agent. So he might not go there. So I didn't think he was ever going to go there. I thought that was a creative work, very unique. And I put this out there since it happened, or even especially because we had that, you know, the rumor mill even before last Wednesday and Dynamite was Tony was going to buy and save and resuscitate Ring of Honor, is that Cody comes back as Booker or the face of Ring of Honor or something like that. He's not part of AEW. It's going to pop and surprise people. So that's an early pick. From me, I, I think somehow or other you're going to see him back in a Tony Khan-owned company, and uh, it would be very cool. I mean, you, you know, spent a bunch of time there. He was not on. The, he wasn't on the Madison Square Garden show. He'd already left, and the Bucks had already left. I think before that MSG joint Ring of Honor New Japan. But you know, and that's the other thing I wanted to bring up. And it's kind, like you said, it's kind of intertwined here. Will Cody go back and be under the Khan family, but with Ring of Honor and such? And with that major announcement, you know, his pretty huge news because they just had their 20th anniversary, per se, from when it was started with, by Rob Feinstein and 
you know, has moved along in this. We're not going to focus solely on Ring of Honor, but what do you think of Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor in the library and such? Well, I've uh, completed an article both for online and the magazines, and I don't even know if our your site, Bust uh, Crazy Train Radio, would allow me to post some articles. But I'm writing about the current era that I believe of the kind-hearted, caring promoters, and in this case. You have a guy who's a classic fan. He truly loves the business. We can see it oozing out of him, particularly with that announcement Wednesday buying Ring of Honor. And I think it's awesome. What a humanitarian thing to do. We all love Ring of Honor. I've been blessed enough to shoot at ringside many times. Love the matches. Love all the talent. He's brought in the greatest talent roster I've ever seen for an American promotion. He's easily one-upping things most of the time, maybe throwing out the Cody thing, whatever that creative work is, if it's a work or not. But I think it's fantastic. And, you know, everybody knows if Vince had bought it, he most likely would have shut it down, just monetized the tape library, and that would have been it. But Tony, I'm sure he's not going to, you know, why uh, fix a wheel that's not broken? He's probably going to, you're going to see the same kind of ring of honor you love because Tony cares that much. I, I just am so impressed with the guy, you know, and Billy Corgan too. He's another in the line of caring promoters. They really care about their talent. The talent's not just cogs you can replace with other cogs like elsewhere. And uh, I think you're gonna see that with Ring of Honor. I mean, and, and then you've got some of those Ring of Honor guys, Honor No More at Impact. They'll probably be brought in through the so-called forbidden door. I mean, it's, it's just a perfect, Cosm of all of this stuff, New Japan, uh, Corgan's NWA, AEW, maybe they'll have, uh, maybe not dealings with uh, my friend Cord Bauer, another caring promoter of MLW. He may be not participating, hopefully he will at some point, but you have all of this stuff and we haven't even brought up Triple or CMLL uh, because Ring of Honor had that deal with the CMLL, EMLL with New Japan. And now I think that's out the window. I think everything with Tony involved is going to be, it's just great. Uh, so I think it's fantastic. Now and the I, question with that is for me, and I never run a wrestling company, nor have I run one the size of an AEW or WWE or anything like that, Ring of Honor even. But, and obviously running such a organization is time consuming and the finances and just everything that goes into that, I couldn't even imagine. Now, mind you, Tony Khan has multiple jobs. Obviously, he's involved with the Jaguars. He's involved with the soccer team. And now you got, or obviously AEW, and now you got Ring of Honor in the fold. How is he going to focus? How do you think he'll focus being able to keep what he's doing with AEW, but also be able to focus on everything else. Well, I think he's going to delegate to a very intelligent, another guy who loves the business, uh, whether he wants to do with acting, but I think that's where Cody will play a hand. He'll wisely delegate. He has some of the most brilliant minds. And I think you're going to see William Steve Regal probably come in and some of the folks who were let go in NXT uh, at some point, besides more talent, um, you, you know, and now he's got a second company, so there'll be less of a problem with TV time. I think Tony will delegate, but will now have a regular national 
television forum uh, for Ring of Honor because a lot of people, depending on where you live, you couldn't get Ring of Honor TV or sometimes it was preempted on New England Sports Network, didn't even air for that week. Uh, I'm lucky, uh, a little channel 56 KDOC in Los Angeles is Ring of Honor without fail every Saturday night, but at 4 a.m. So you just DVR it. Uh, it used to be three in the afternoon Sundays, which was a terrific time slot. But it, I think Tony's going to improve the TV. You remember when Ring of Honor for a little while followed TNA Impact on whatever channel they were at the time prior to access. So I think Tony's going to get Ring of Honor, some good national cable. It, we, we hope for stuff with Sinclair would be better. It kind of wasn't. It was nightmarish. And uh, Tony's going to make it, uh, Tony time, he's going to make it good. And uh, more people are going to see it. So I'm excited. Let me ask you, Jonathan, where are you? Are you in Radio Row? Are you in a restaurant? Are you in your hotel? I am in a restaurant. And I want to say to them again, thank you to Burger. It's place is called Burger U. Burger U. Yes, it is in Tower 3 next to the Barnes & Noble and across from the uh, arena wow. that they have. So I'm assuming, well, that's when I come there, that's the place I'm going to want to eat because they've supported the show and who, you know, burgers and wrestling, uh, great tag Yeah, great and, and beer. And it's funny, you know, it's kind of quiet still, but you're getting that afternoon rush start. To come I can hear up. people talking. I can hear conversations going elsewhere around you. That's why I thought you're on Radio Row. Yeah. Uh, like a Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, props for the Super Bowl 50 hat on your head that you're wearing. So, but, you know, it's funny. The fans, you, the people you see coming in are wearing wrestling related t-shirts i've seen some adam coles i see a couple hook shirts you know it's it's your fan base that are going to be going to the show that's for sure tonight you know another thing that impresses me about tony and i've written about this for over 30 years is the thought police in wwe wwf where i would see them not so much tell people to sit down where they'd have you know the, the security involved besides the in-house wwe folks but signs being taken and if you wore a shirt for another company like ecw or wcw they'd tell you to take it off cover it up or you know at best give you a, a wwe shirt to put over it but tony is open with all of that I, we saw like a couple of weeks ago we've seen some critical uh, of some of their wrestlers uh, posters go up and, and he is gracious enough to allow it and just let the fans uh, express themselves. This guy can do, do no wrong in my book and is the epitome of a great promoter. And that's another topic. Maybe if we'll have time to talk about uh, the best of wrestling's future. And f I'll just throw that out there if this is the wrong segment. Uh, from a promoter wise, I think Tony Khan, if you could create in a lab the perfect promoter Somebody with money, somebody who loves the business, somebody who cares about others, it's Tony Khan, AEW. Well, we're going to get into that when Alex and all gets here with the future of the business because Alex runs uh, ARW. But before we run it out of time for this, since we're talking all AEW, I want to get your opinion. It's like 11 or 12 great matches, it seems like, for this part between the buy-in between the buy-in and the main pay-per-view. So I know what stands out for me because, and this is going to be cool for me to watch in person because I know there's only been a few. And for me, it's going to be, I'm really looking forward to the Punk MJF dog collar match. 
And I know they only had the company only had the one with Brody and Cody. And obviously the for the fans that listen to this, the historical one is Piper and Valentine from Crockett Promotions. But when you look at this car just based on what we got, what are you looking forward to seeing? Well, I mean, I've seen Dusty and Dog Collar and then Strap matches like when Wahoo was a heel. So I'm looking forward to that match, of course. I'm really looking forward to uh, Jericho, uh, Jericho's match um, with Eddie and uh, Danielson with Mox. I mean, that's going to be outstanding. I'm looking forward to, oh, man, I mean, the whole card is stacked. I'm looking forward to all of it. Uh, I'm looking forward to Britt Baker's match. I don't know. Did you run into her at all? I asked you to. I You did. I did not see her, but I'll probably see her in the next, either later tonight or tomorrow. But, so do you know where the, uh, you don't have to say on air here, because again, we're just hours, mere hours from AEW Revolution uh, starting. So check your providers or Bleacher Reports, wherever you, you get it. I forget where it's offered. I know they have some movie theaters set up again. Theaters, awesome. wow. days to close circuit, but uh, is uh, so. Are you you gonna hopefully go to the after party with talent and stuff? Yeah, it's looking like that. My contact with the companies, you know, gonna be in touch with me later this afternoon as once things settle down. Because you know, pre-show in the arena, especially for shows like this, it's everybody's running around and getting you know your segments done. And, well, maybe we could do a, a, a wrap-up show in a couple of days, and you can tell, I can just ask you one question, you can just reel off what you saw, because I'd love to hear what you're going to see, what's going on. I'm looking forward to pretty much uh, everything about the card. There's a six-man, a big six-man, there's a face of the company, uh, that's another uh, six-person, Ty Conti, match with Jade, and... Uh, you know, I'm looking for some upsets tonight, but we'll talk about that later. So there should be some surprises. I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to Jay White, and then we're going to be, I'm sure we're going to be seeing some new signing surprises. Uh, let me see, what was that surprise? Well, Josh Alexander just re-signed with them, and that's a big deal. Uh, but there's some, some oh yeah, uh, well, are we going to see Shane Swerve Strickland and, and Jeff Hardy at all? Or are they saving them for next Wednesday's Dynamite, which is what I think is going to happen. But uh, maybe somebody it does a quick interference. If, if we were going to see one of those two talent debuting for AEW, I'm sure it would be uh, Swerve first rather than you know both of them on Wednesday night. But Tony has surprises every show almost, uh, Dynamite and Rampage. So who knows? Yeah, Everything's all good. And before we get to the predictions and such, you did just mention a name. I find it interesting. And yes, I think he's going to show up. It's just a matter of time. He had that whole flip it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to AEW, but up, it's nothing for sure yet was Jeff Hardy. And the reason I'm saying that is because there was, again, tongue in cheek. You know, I'm not sure what the specifics were but Jeff Hardy was still or is still under his 90-day clause till till next week and so the things I was reading online tongue-in-cheek is that the WWE because when Jeff did that interview or whatever it was and mentioned yeah probably going to be going to AEW that 
the Vince and the company were looking at possibly suing AEW for tampering because of that 90 day pause. So, yeah, the, he better just stick to the letter and not have him appear. Uh, I haven't been looking at any of the online rumors really or any of that social media stuff. Uh, just been swamped. Uh, so, you know, that makes sense. I, I would have it to the second. So he's, there's no tampering that can be alleged. Uh, maybe Jeff just misspoke or something like that. I'm just thinking though, on a more positive of all of the dream matches, Tony Khan has years of dream matches with a cluster and a ton of talent he has. I'm just thinking a swerve against Jay Lethal. Can you imagine a match like that, for example, or really swerve against a multitude of folks? I think he, you know, whether it's Jericho or Mox, it just, Incredible stuff. I'd love to see when the Ring of Honor thing gets going, guys floating back and forth, perhaps like Jay Lethal taking on a Brian Danielson stuff we never saw because they never the times did not overlap in Ring of Honor. You know, just I can't wait for that and how and what it means to AEW. Exactly. Well, I want to get jumping on this card here. It's funny that it's in the buy-in. Well, two things. Well, I'll start off with the ladies' match in the buy-in. You got Layla Birch and Chris Statlander. And I just, I don't know what it is. Layla, I think, is the real deal. Kind of reminds me a little bit of a female Taz, if that makes sense. Right, exactly. exactly. Keeping it, it basic and, you know, all that fun stuff. But there's just something about Statlander. I don't know what it is, but when you sit back and try to watch as a fan, I really like what she's done in the evolution of her character. I, I like I, I like her a lot. I think Layla's going to go over. She needs to go over in that match because everybody loves Chris. You know, it doesn't matter whether she wins or loses. You know, it's sort of like Ty, Ty Conti. It doesn't matter whether she wins or loses. You know, she's over. There's a connection with fans. Layla needs to solidify that. But uh, she does. I like her dynamic with best friends. Uh, and I like everything about her, you know. They need, they have so much talent that they need to do, uh, have them talk more because Chris has not really spoken that much in her time with AEW on camera. Maybe not so much at home pieces, but do some like a capsule bio, maybe on Rampage every Friday where you look at a talent that doesn't get all, you know, not on TV every, every single week. And, and you kind of find out, you know, we know some of the backstory on some of these other wrestlers, but uh, Keith Lee, maybe do some backstory on him and talk about him coming through Evolve with guys like, uh, uh, you know, there were, there's quite a few guys in AEW that came through the Evolve rank. Uh, and uh, and, there, and the women too, you know, uh, maybe more with Serena Deeb, you know, her at home or something like that. I got to talk to her at home when I was trying to book her for this show. And uh, I'm waiting on the AEW folks uh, for that because she's kind of like a, a female Dean Malenko to me. And that would be the first thing I would try. I've known photographically the last zillion decades for bringing people together like Bruno posing with the Pool of the Butcher or Bruno with the Funk Brothers and Harley Race all in one shot. But I would like to get uh, uh, Serena Deeb posing with uh, Dean Malenko that would be like a dream shot for me uh, because she just reminds me of what he was doing. Not, but she's totally different, but that's what we see with Chris Statlander, totally different. And uh, she always has good matches, no matter who they put her with. 
she's she's great. What more would you like to see uh, from Chris? You know, to get her back into the title picture, etc. Uh, Maybe would like to, And it's going to be in the next segment where I'm going to talk about, but a little teaser. But with her, I'd like to see what you actually just mentioned in terms of. You know, having some more spotlight on the character itself and to have the emotional investment of why am I going to like this person? Why am I, or why am I disliking this person? If that makes sense, which is always key to the business. Am I you know, like MJF, for example, his parents, I think they're his parents. I'm not 100% sure. That could be a work, but they've been a, quite a bit on the Busted Open show. I've not yet seen them. Have you seen them on AEW TV yet? MJF's parents? Have no, they got I have not. So they need to bring that in. And if they're, you know, part of the angle and they can say what a horrible kid he and an embarrassment he's turned out to be, I think that would be fun. You know, that's a way to do that backstory, which wouldn't be necessarily a shoot like I'd like to see with Chris Statlander or Layla Hirsch. Maybe let's go into her amateur stuff and really show some maybe some old footage or have her do a sit down with Jim Ross and talk about that. I think that would be a perfect way to get her over. Exactly. Well, next match on the buy-in is, uh, which is going to be interesting because you have Hook, since I mentioned Taz, you know, being his son, and then you have QT Marshall because they've been building up their story. So what are you expecting out of that? Is that going to be a quickie like I think, it's gonna be, uh, I think it's going to be a quickie, uh, maybe uh, uh, a little bit of offense from uh, Hook's opponent, but this kid has captured the imagination of everybody. We have no backstory on him. They really haven't, uh, other than maybe he says stuff off camera, this was months ago, we've never had an interview with him. So again, we need to sit down. We need to know why this guy is the badass uh, maybe what went on, let him talk about uh, what went on with QT, why there's heat there, you know, things like that, whether it's work or shoot, but give us some story. But maybe that's the appeal to young kids and women, et cetera, going crazy for Hook. You know, I don't see a lot of young girls at WWE shows in throngs, but I do at AEW shows. Yeah. And that's a big draw for them. They love this guy. Exactly. Well, main show, we got the six-man tag. You got Sammy Kavar, Sting, Darby Allen, and then you got the party, Isaiah Cassidy, and Andrade. What are we expecting? Is this going to be a different match? No, I think that for me, I think the faces are going to go over. Darby was the one I was trying to think of that came up with uh, Keith Lee and Evolve for Gabe Sapolsky. Uh, there were others there. Um, like uh, uh, Ethan Page, uh, as you know. And uh, it's just so cool to see them all in-house. So they started on Grammy Indies and all of that. Terrific shows. They all were amazing uh, characters. But I look for the faces to go over there. And that should be like a crowd-pleasing match. I'm, I'm sure there'll be some sting death drops and stuff like that. Stinger splashes. Uh, he doesn't have to do you know a lot. He kind of reminds me of Austin. You can protect... If Austin does wrestle at media with Sting, you can protect him uh, beyond the full body shape for a guy his age and just let him do the hits. Boom, the crowd loves it and uh, enjoys that match and goes home happy. I'm predicting the faces. What about you? 
I'm thinking the same thing. Let's keep it. I go with the kister. Keep it simple, stupid. You know, you get your hits in, you know, and get the I say it does the job. I say it's going to do the job there. Unless Matt Hardy does the job, and then, you know, there's, hey, he needs you to reinvent and then brings the brother in a couple of weeks or Wednesday or whenever it's time, 90-day time efficient. Yes. All right. So, in this one, I think we might see a surprise if the internet is true. You got Jericho and Eddie Kingston. And the reason I'm saying you're seeing, which it's going to be a strong physical match because they both, as you have said here before, Eddie Kingston is a Japanese aficionado, lifelong fan of the business and historian. Jericho, familiar with Japanese style, had been there early in his career, then again, recent couple of years. So it's going to be physical. I shot him against uh, Ultimo Dragon, his number one Japanese opponent for on uh, Tenru cards, War, which was later renamed. So Jericho's familiar with that, but it's a clashing of two styles, which makes that match interesting. And they may be off a step. You know, the styles clash is, is too different. Where Eddie is a, a you know kind of a brawler, and, and Jericho can pretty much do everything. Well, as we are going to finish up the card here, I do want to welcome. Another historian, because he's going to be great talking with Alex in this as well. He is the producer of The Wrestler in 350 Days, Mr. Evan Ginsberg. Evan, how are you? I'm, I'm good, Jonathan. Good to be back. Hi, Mike. And uh, I'm the associate producer on those movies. The, the executive producer is the money guy. I'm the wrestling guy. Yeah. Evan will love this because I, I everything is about my mother-in-law's health now, but... I carved out some time between visiting her to do this with Jonathan as we interviewed uh, uh, Gunner yeah, yeah. on Friday. But I didn't know Ev was coming on. Ev, I, didn't, I didn't either. I could not find my house keys. And I go, this is like the only thing I'm doing today other than taking care of my mother-in-law. And I nearly broke a window to get into the house. Finally found my keys at the last moment. Uh, your life, your life is like a curb your enthusiasm episode. I was Larry Daviding it, trying to put my keys in an easy to find spot, and then I kind of forgot where it was instead of my usual thing. So at our age, when you're advanced and you're a senior citizen plus like me, you got to do what Jonathan said: keep it simple, do the same thing, keep your keys, your glasses, your remote for your cable in the same freaking place every time it's got to go in the same place or speaking of senior citizens i had a visit from one today julian rich wrestling historian what a good guy he is he's from the uh, massachusetts area and uh Sh sheldon goldberg territory and uh this guy's like a walking encyclopedia of wrestling we were uh we were talking about the old days and commiserating about much of the new so uh ask him about mercedes martinez who i shot her on some sheldon goldberg shows i think he was one of the very first oh, she to wasn't wounded too badly sorry i hope she wasn't wounded too badly you shot her no, I'm joking <laughs> joking oh hell so uh, uh, I, that's where a lot of us first uh, heard of her and we're impressed with her. Of course, now she's, she's a big awesome. star. Awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. she is. So that should be a good match, Jericho Kingston. So, and I obviously, I think Mike would uh, appreciate this. Danielson Moxley, because I know Evan is a wrestler's wrestler type guy. So what are we thinking with this one? 
Um, I think uh, anything with Danielson, I I grew up on Danielson. I should say I grew up. I, I, I saw him in Ring of Honor uh, innumerable times in New York. And uh, what a great, great technician. I mean, Moxley leans more towards uh, brawling. So it's an interesting, interesting mix. I, I think it should be excellent. Did, did Mox, I, 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 you know, I didn't, because they didn't hardly come out to the West Coast. <laughs> Even though I shot all their appearances out here, like Vegas and California, but did Mox do any time in Ring of Honor? He must have. Um, I don't remember that. It's possible the last couple of years <laughs> I, I hadn't been watching quite as religiously as I did during the Nigel McGuinness era. Maybe Jonathan would know better than me. I don't think so. He was a CZW guy, if I remember. Mox. Right. Yeah. Oh, but all right, so Mike, do you have an opinion on that match? Boy, uh, that's a pick'em match, but I I, I tend to think they uh, I would like to see it be kind of fun for a while, maybe a year to see uh, whatever happened, and and uh, maybe Mox put over Danielson who needs a, a win after the loss with Page, and 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 then uh, they team up and you know start I don't know taking in some talent or something like that or. You know, uh, or if that doesn't happen, you know, I think you're going to see Brian Danielson. If Cody doesn't book Ring of Honor, maybe Danielson. Or, you know what a great pick would be? And I'm stealing this for uh, from Bubba Ray Dudley, Bully Ray, is to have Samoa Joe potentially come in and book Ring of Honor for Tony. But you need to get all of those guys back. I want to ask Ev, he loved seeing Brian Danielson against, uh, you know, in the artwork with Nigel McGuinness, but Ev, who also did you like seeing in Ring of Honor Danielson face? Did you see him against like Samoa Joe like we had in Pro Wrestling? Um, I saw him against um, a lot of the Japanese guys that they brought in. And uh, always, always excellent. Always excellent. But, but I would still say that um, Brian Danielson and Nigel McGuinness were the masterpieces. Those, that was... Um, Flair and Steamboat. That was Dory Funk Jr. and Jack Briscoe for the for that decade. You know, um, tremendous, tremendous four to five star matches every time these guys met. And um, yeah, some of the best wrestling I ever saw in almost fifty years of attending. And that, and I'm jaded, and I'm saying this, so uh, I have nothing but respect. And and also, I just want to say, I just want to say that. Brian Danielson going to AEW is a passport to create art, to create art, okay? Well, uh, we talked about that Suzuki match. I told you, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. I, I don't know if you watched it. I'm, I'm sure you did find it because I was sending you the link to it. But I Yeah, just, yeah, I saw it. It's, it's tremendous. Oh. Um, but when a WWE guy decides to stay, to stay, like an AJ Styles or a Kevin Owens or a Sami Zayn. I just go, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a, a slow, you know, walk towards retirement because the, the great matches are going to be few and far between. They, they just don't have, Kevin Owens came out of Madison Square Garden yesterday and talked, talked, he didn't even wrestle. Okay, well, that's what, 
That's what a circus did it is. Did you go to the show? No, no, but I, I was- I don't know the results of the show. Do you know them the just- result, The results, you, you, you have to hear this. Jonathan, you, you'll appreciate this. Ringside, $225, okay? Sum of ringside, $225. Reigns over Rollins, five minutes, five minutes. Mike, can you imagine Bruno or Backlund wrestling five minutes? Wouldn't happen. Wouldn't happen. And and the co-feature, Lesnar squashing Theory, just squashing the guy, okay? Yeah. I mean, how does this build a new star? Because you say he's in the main event? I, I, I don't get it. I, I just don't get it. But um, if I had spent that kind of money to see those two matches, I, I would have been tremendously hey, hey, they had to. To, to continually reference it on uh, their two shows were on SmackDown this past week and, and maybe an additional one because the tickets were in the shitter. I don't even know if they did 5000 for Madison Square Garden. That's unheard of. Bruno sold out that venue. It wasn't, it wasn't sold out, but I heard they had a good crowd, but whatever. But it's the way they configure it now, under way under 10000 Bruno's time, what well, wasn't it, 22,500 when the, the way they, they, they used to They used to advertise a sellout at the gardens 22,092. Whether or not that was exaggerated or including comps or not, I don't know. But it, yes, a big section of the garden is cut off now be, because of the elaborate entrances. And uh, so it's, it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. Well, we were hearing they, they hadn't even hit 5,000, whether that's true or not as of last monday i'm sure, I'm sure there was a good walk up at the end but it was but even mania out. now mania there's still tickets are still available two for one deals all of this stuff that's that ain't the case in AEW or, or so you know when new japan comes to the states no it's it's very it's incredibly expensive at this point can you imagine let's let's say um some of the tickets on on the floor were 154 dollars $154. Imagine taking a family of four. That's before gimmicks and parking. Parking, parking's expensive. Yeah, but there's WWE's favored building now the last few years isn't MSG anymore. It's Barclays, which is easier for fans to get to. It's not the hassle. MSG, it's a hassle in the area. Supposedly now isn't the safest, and as Bully Ray has pointed out. I'm just, I'm just saying it is not a cheap night out. I mean, you know, you could sit in the nosebleeds for uh, $20, $25, but, uh, you know, it's not 3 to $6 like, like a blue-collar deal like back in the day. Now you're going to spend good money to take a family there, you know? But I know Alex is just messaging me. He'll be here shortly, so I want to finish up quickly. But Jake Cardle and uh, Tay Conti is probably going to be a squash match based on what yep. they're doing with uh, yep. Jade. Uh, we know the face of the revolution match with Hobbs, Warlow, Lee, Starks, and whatnot, or Orange Cassidy. That's probably going to be the car wreck of the night. And probably going to finally see Warlow break through and become a full-fledged face. You know, just based on what they're doing on TV. I love but, the build. The build is good story. Yes. We discussed the doll color match, but beforehand, before we go to the top three matches, the title matches, Mike, Evan, we were discussing the color, doll color match for tonight, Punk and MGF, and you've seen some matches throughout your years of going to shows and watching on TV. Do you think this is going to be a decent match? 
I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be brutal and an AEW. They're not scared of juice, and um, those two guys are both tremendous. Um, yeah, I, I think it's. I don't know if you're going to top uh, Roddy Piper and Greg Valentine, but I don't know if anybody ever is, but I, I think it should be excellent. I don't, I don't see any reason that uh, why not. Ev, can you remember other dog collar matches like with Wahoo and Harley, stuff like that, besides, you know, Indian strap matches, but other people had dog collar matches. I know Dory Funk Sr. had one with Cyclone Negro and Terry Funk had one with the uh, judo al hayes it wasn't lord al hayes yet in amarillo but really haven't been a lot of dog collar matches sputnik monroe had a few in tennessee but I'm really trying to this is straight from memory i didn't google any of this um i honestly don't remember i remember a lot of indian strap matches i don't remember a lot of dog collar matches well dusty had one with superstar graham that but that was a a strap match i think yeah, that was a strap match yeah then they, did, they had then they also had the uh, texas death uh, match at their uh, as their third match right superstar in the dusty um i remember it ending in an indian strap match uh, a lot of bruno's feuds ended in texas death matches okay. and cages uh, and blow-offs usually cages, cages were usually the third match with bruno right. like the big finale yeah oh i told us in blasting in los angeles had a, a dog collar match but they had spikes sticking out of their uh dog collars so neither one could do their famous knee drops you know blassie is the baby face which people find hard to believe beloved in la against the uber heel john tolis and uh, it was a uh, dog collar match but they, they had these spikes to prevent either one you know neither one would want to hurt their knees doing a knee drop so they couldn't do their their great moves uh, as both were like ray stevens-esque in terms of knee drops so they didn't use it for that so there's another famous uh, dog collar match but it was better than piper and valentine and that's hard to beat but it was wow so we got luchasaurus and jungle boy versus red dragon versus young bucks something tells me with the build-up and i know everyone would appreciate uh both kylo arvali and bobby fisher red dragon because they're both more that like danielson the wrestler's wrestler yeah, yeah. so any predictions for that match um, I, I would think Red Dragon is getting a push at this point, and uh, they're hot, they're hot and new, with, at, at, relatively new. I, I, I would go with them if I was actually betting or whatnot. I'd go with Red Dragon. Yeah, me too. Same reasons. They need a push. Bucks are over no matter what they do, with or without the titles. And yeah, it's time to really push this incredible team with its ring of honor and new Japan history. Those guys are just off the charts. I'm very love red dragon. Well, we also now have Thunder Rosa versus Mike's favorite female champion, Dr. Britt Baker. So this is going to be, it feels like because the history with the lights out match and everything that they had and what they've been building. And you mentioned Mercedes Martinez being involved here and just everything else. I don't care who takes this first, but do we see Thunder Rosa become the champion? I'll take it, yes, because I've watched her since she started. She started here in my neck of the woods, Northern California, with La Rosa Negra and Holly Dead. And, and now they've all moved and they were for her promotion outside of Houston, Texas, Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa's a NorCal 
athlete. And uh, that's, I wouldn't say it's an upset, but I'm predicting her to go over my fellow dentist pal. Well, I haven't met her in person yet, Britt Baker. So I'm looking, and Thunder Rose is so deserving. Man, is she over. She's, she should be in that face of the company match where I'm predicting Keith Lee to be the winner of that. Ev? Um, I'm going with Thunder Rosa because uh, the rumor mill says that Britt Baker has a very heavy schedule of scalings and root canals in the next few weeks. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with Thunder Rosa. Which leads us to our AEW championship match. And two other guys who have a history. It's so ironic the ROH thing happened officially last week with the announcement of the purchase. But we got Hangman Page and Alan Cole. Both have had a great classic match in ROH when they were both 21 and 23 respectively. And their history has been tied together throughout their careers. So where is this going? And do we see a new champion Alan Cole? I'm, I'm going with uh, Hangman Page. I don't see any reason to take the belt off of him this quickly. And uh, the guy's been having great matches. And Adam Cole is, you know, relatively new. You know, Adam Cole could have his boys, Red Dragon or whoever else, come out and jump Page. And they'd have, you know, seven more matches. I, I, I don't see why they need Adam Cole to take it this quickly. I think we need an old school booking on this where it's a, I don't know, some kind of, there's no finish. So there'll be some, a, a rematch for the next pay-per-view or the next giant, exactly. something like that. Carry this on uh, because Cole is over and was over with that crowd the second he debuted there. They're singing his song, they're doing the boom, all of that. Uh, so they know him from NXT, they know him from Ring of Honor. And yeah, uh, Paige let him bubble and sizzle as champion, and he can have some more dream matches with, with Adam Cole. Those are fantastic. I mean, I can't wait to see Danielson and, uh, and Cole again. They only had that one match on SmackDown TV, and they, rare, they didn't let him do you know, more than 10% of what they could do, and that was kind of a dream match. So I'd love to see them with the breaks off in AEW. The sky's the limit for Cole. He could have fantastic matches with 50 pieces of talent there. Let me, let me just say very quickly, the um, fanboys doing the Adam Cole has a dad bod, you know. I, I don't understand the brainwashing where, you know, every wrestler has to have 24-inch arms and a, a six-pack of abs. I mean, I know you want different body styles. You want the Mike Shaw's, Bastion Booger, Norman the Lunatic. You know, like a Mick Foley bot. Who cares? I don't give a shit. Well, I'm just saying. Saying. I'm just saying the fans, one after another, have addressed this. And I've been at wrestling conventions, and wrestling fans are some of the most unfit human beings I've ever seen. So they should not be commenting on guys' bodies. They're the last guys who should be commenting. Because we know we've seen Evan call these guys. I won't name them by name. It was... So at something like a, a Coraluso event, the Weebles Wobbles, these two fans that, you know, you push them and, and they, they roll back. That's, yeah, so I totally agree. We don't, I don't care. I don't care. Harley Race, Bulldog Bob Brown had no bodies, uh, uh, you know, in terms of body definition. But Harley Race, come on. Every match with that guy was 
Fantastic. Ray Stevens, Pat Patterson, Dick Murdoch, Colleen Race, they all had beer bellies. So what? Dusty. So Dusty. Dusty. How entertaining was Dusty? He was one of the most entertaining guys in our day in the 70s. It was insanely entertaining. That was just the 70s, not the 80s and everything else he did. So the message we're putting out there is stop staring at Adam Cole's body and just let him wrestle. <laughs> like with the women, don't, you know, let's defocus on their appearance and, and care less. And that what you should be focused on is what they produce as content in the ring, excellence in the ring for the women. And the same with the guys. I don't care. I could care less. I was not brainwashed with the shit from whatever it was when Hulkamania started, December of 83, January of 84. I've never cared. And, and you can look at all those stiffs that had roided out bodies that couldn't do jack squat. They couldn't barely run the ropes. So, no. The nobodies, the little guys, the Shawn Michaels, the Bret Harts, those are the guys that are delivering content, and we're seeing it now with the Coles and, and whatever. So... For them to say any crap like that, what are they going to do? Start next and and say uh, somebody has a mom's body. <laughs> well, some do nowadays, you know. Becky Lynch and whatnot. Right? <laughs> um, you know, I love to see Becky Lynch in AEW. Can you imagine how entertaining she would be there? Just let her be herself and nurture that, like Tony does. Yeah, exactly. But it's going to be a good show, that's for sure. We're going to take a break. And Micah, like you said, we're going to probably do a wrap-up show. It will be fun. So catch a quick break to the uh, next segment. Hey there, Friday fans. We know how much you enjoy the movies. Enjoy grabbing your Friday merchandise and interacting with the Friday family, whether it be at conventions or during our particular watch-alongs. Well, when you're looking to get yourself masks, why not check out our friends over at Camp Blood Customs out of New York State and order your specific custom mask from any of the films. All orders are made specifically your needs and wants are. Make sure you find Camp Blood Customs on Facebook, Instagram, and all over social media and order yours today. Coming out of the next the break there, which was quite interesting. We were talking to, about the AEW Revolution, which thank you again to Burger U for hosting us. Burger U. Burger U in this, on the campus of University of Central Florida. Right across from where the event is going to be happening tonight. We are talking more broad-based state of the union business. And join right now. And we're going to actually have a local promoter be joining us. I'm waiting for him to arrive. No pressure, Alex. But we have associate producer, Evan Ginsberg. He was involved with The Wrestler and 350 Days. We also have show regular Dr. Mike Lano long-time legendary photographer of the wrestling business with the West Coast and all. But this For every is, wrestling magazine on the planet, that's still true today. Yes. I just had to, I was just involved with uh, uh, Shukan Weekly Pro Baseball, and I'm helping them out in terms of getting Dragon Gate, a tour of Dragon Gate over here. I can't really say the specifics, but... Uh, it, it, it involves 
the stuff that I wrote magazine. But I can only stay about 15 more minutes. Ev, the background noise you're hearing, I know you sent up a message there. He is like in Radio Row at Burger University, Burger U Restaurant. So there's other shows and things going on. There's people around him. That's where the background noise of folks you're hearing, all these AEW uh, enthusiasts. Silence them. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't push my knife up, pull out my Abby. But since we only have like for a few minutes, I want to bring this up. And I'm sure they talked about it on Buster. You, know, you got wrestling, like in AEW, ROH, stuff like that, versus sports entertainment. So what is, the, for me, the biggest thing you notice is the lack of emotion of getting hooked into it. Me and Mike were talking about this earlier, where you had a reason to like a talent or hate a talent or whatever the case is. You don't see it often anymore. Maybe an MJF where you get emotionally invested in hating him, but in the story he did about growing up and such. But is that the biggest thing missing in the business currently? The biggest thing missing is caring about them as human beings, as athletes. Um, when you watch a WWE pay-per-view and you know the result of every single match before it happens because they're so rigid and it's so geared towards WrestleMania, you know, why, why, would, you care? why, would, you, why would you care that Reigns beat Goldberg in five minutes when you know he's going to beat Goldberg. <laughs> it, it, there's no emotional investment with uh, MJF and uh, CM Punk. You know, I care who's going to win. I get, you know, you're, you're caught up in it with Dustin, with um, Cody and Dustin Rhodes, brother versus brother. You cared who was going to win. You were invested in the storyline. I haven't cared about a WWE match since Daniel Bryan climbing to the top and winning the title there. You know, this is going on like a decade already. I mean, you, you need to have emotional involvement. Predictability is not a good thing. And WWE loves the predictability of it all. Mike? Well, yeah, that, that might be their so-called KISS principle in Stamford, Connecticut, but the predictability and, and the fact that you know uh, the match is, uh, you know, at the end you're going to have uh, like two commercial breaks and it's going to end right on time. Uh, I, I'm going to steal some more from Bully Ray. He said, you know, if you have like on Friday night, Rampage, four matches advertised, and you start out with a terrific match that may go long. It has that luxury going long. Maybe say, well, you know, because uh, either say your last match, we can't have the last match, we just ran out of time, so it looks more shoot-like, or have it like the old 88, 89 NWA, where, or the Bill Watts UWF, where you don't see the finish of the main event. They go, you know, tune in next week to, to find out who won. And, and so they're still wrestling or there's interference or and you don't have a, a clean WWE ending to tie it up with a neat bow. And I think that's maybe the only slight suggestion that it would be cool to see on AEW TV. You know, nicely paced. You have like your main event is actually often the first match Tony throws out there. 
So, uh, which I love. And, and that's, you know. My, my biggest advice to AW as far as that TV, uh, I was in Korea two or three years ago, right before COVID hit. And I was watching wrestling on their TV and they treated it much like boxing where there were no commercials in the middle of the match. Boxing, you know, when you watch boxing on, on network TV, the commercials are gonna come, you know, be before and after, the same thing with wrestling in Korea. So my point being AEW, when they have 17 commercials in the middle of the match and, uh, you know, He's right, because the picture-in-picture -picture thing is kind of hard to work. work. It doesn't work. It, it takes just, you out it's, of it. It's a little bit hard for me. You know, you start hearing the Sky Resi song. Things are getting clearer. I can't focus. I can't focus. So um, less less commercials during the match, AEW, more before and after. Frame it. Frame it and treat it like art, like, like boxing does. You can't cut into the match. It just takes the fans out of it. I'm sorry. And I like AEW. Well, I want to wrap with Mike for this. And it was kind of hidden in your answers here. And I'll combine it because I obviously uh, was an 80s and 90s child. But also 60s and 70s. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm from the I'm from the 30s and 40s. I thought you were from when Abe Lincoln wrestled the bear, but I was there as a kid, third row center. All right. When it sold out to the rafters and the branches. Right. But uh, it seems like from the older generations, whether it be a Harley and Flares and this one, compared to this day and age, there's not as many that tend to take pride in their craft. But also what you guys were mentioning there, too, how simplified is this? The power of the pencil, whether it be about the matches, how they go, or scripted promos, or whatever the case may be. Do, are folks taking pride in their work, and is it noticeable? I think so. Uh, I, 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 it always throws me like Brian Cage on the Indies way before he even got to Impact, which was way before he got to AEW. I, I think they released him. I don't know why he's not been on TV, but <laughs> he his his thing, and he even had it on his ring jacket and sometimes his tights, get my shit in, get my S in. And you can say that's a pride thing on one end, but if it's just you know, you wanting to get your stuff that gets you over in, uh, which we see with, you know, athlete performers and many companies, that kind of takes me away from the dedication to craft. When I think of dedication to craft, I'm thinking Brian Danielson to start with, but so many guys, I'm sure they are, and I respect those, and there's many of them that will even go up to Brian Danielson, some of these younger kids, and Austin Theory did when Danielson was still in, you know, try to, or uh, WWE. Uh, when you see them go up and just try to absorb from the learning trees, then you know that person has pride in their work or it's a telltale giveaway. Uh, I think there's probably more today that have pride in their work because a lot of guys would, uh, you know, that I saw in the 70s and I shot most all the territories other than Calgary and I made up for that later. Uh, but some guys, depending on the territory, 
Uh, we had a guy named Blackjack Slade who would just kind of not give a shit and kind of, you know, just there for the payday and whatever back in the day. And Evan might have seen him, Russell. I'm, I'm not trying to disparage the guy, but, you know, and, and it was different than to, you know, a lot of guys, uh, there just wasn't all of this uh, time spent on crafting the match. A lot of the guys, you know, called it on the fly and there was more psychology. So I think it's hard to compare apples to oranges in that sense. I think many, I know Bruno San Martino and Luthez and Vern Gagne and Billy Robinson and Carl Gutsch took great pride. And there are a zillion others. Neil Moskers, for example, who like refused, he later became known as no sell meal. He wouldn't sell. He took that much pride in his character and, and the product he put out there. But guys today, females and men, uh, geez, Serena Deeb, these people really take pride in their craft. So I think there's more people today uh, and there's more ways to sort of figure that out, who's really taking pride in their craft. When folks brag about training with Billy Robinson and know who Carl Gotch is and Billy uh, and, and Deeb, as well as uh, Shayna Baszler talk about in revered terms, Gotch and Robinson, that shows me they have pride in their craft, their profession, et cetera. I, I don't know. I might be wrong on this, but that's just off the top of my head. Evan? I, I, think, I think the wrestlers, for the most part, take pride. I just think uh, when you have bookers who, you know, basically treat it as a circus, your entrance is seven minutes and your match is four. You know, I, I, I think it's limited what you're able to put out there many times. And uh, I've sat at WWE house shows where the entrance is longer than the match itself. If it's a six-man match and six people are coming out to music one after another, you know, how much can you do? How much can you do? So I think sometimes their hands are tied, to be honest. You're exactly right on that. Exactly right, because a, depending on how you're booked, and I, sorry, we got to point the finger at WWE, with really, at times, some shit booking, it can cause a defeatist attitude, I would think, in some talent to where they can become very frustrated. Look at poor uh, Killer Cross, Karrion Cross, or Keith Lee. They don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They're, they're held back when they're brought up to the main roster. That's just a horror show. I'm sorry. Vince, Vince said to Keith Lee, you're too intelligent. You're too intelligent. Dumb it down. Dumb it down. I, I mean, that guy is super intelligent. When you just hear him talk extemporaneously out of character, He's an incredibly smart guy. So that's disgusting to me. So Keith Lee, Keith Lee did an interview and he was quoted as saying, you know, I have to be motivated. I have, you know, it's like an actor will say, what's my motivation? You know, it's not like flipping a switch. You know, you, 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 you're wasting me for months and months and months at a time. Now, like flip a switch and do something totally different. I, I could see a wrestler getting frustrated and uh, you know, it's, look, like, like I said, I, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad it takes The Undertaker 20 minutes to walk to the ring, but I still want to see a great match somewhere in the mix. You Can you know? imagine, you've seen, I'm sure, some battle royals where each guy had to come out to his friggin' music and that took forever. 
And, and then the battle royal might be just, that is where you don't see dedication to craft. It's just a, a car crash. It's all about the entrances. And uh, if I don't get to say this, I cannot wait for uh, congrats to Johnny Gargano and uh, Candice Lurie, who I know well. She started in California. I saw her early, early on against everybody from Gail Kim 20 plus years ago. But I can't wait for Gargano and hopefully Dragon Candice, the mom, with her to AEW or whatever Tony Khan is doing. I can't wait for that. What a, that Hustle guy tough. is the epitome. Gargano, the epitome of somebody taking pride in their craft. Yeah, that he's guy's an awesome. artist. That guy's an artist. Yep. Well, Dr. Mike uh, and Evan, I hope I can keep you for a few more minutes to do the future. But Dr. Mike, you mentioned you are writing and other things for many different avenues. Is there anything that you can plug currently? That I can plug? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm writing a piece. Evan's helped me, uh, you know, with pro wrestling stories, and there's another site. So I'm hoping maybe with Crazy Train Radio or the other show that we do, and they're on tonight legends coast to coast i think that's the working title and uh, ev don't wrestling and everything coast to coast well we should rename it legends because evan and i did legends for a zillion years out of w you know that was huge radio the amount of people that we had on that rock musicians comics we had everything it wasn't just wrestlers uh boxers mma guys but um i'm hoping uh so anyway, Ev, do not tell uh, Buddy that I did this. Uh, I cheated and I did this show today because uh, it was everything's been last minute. And uh, we're, hoping, I, we're hoping you escape the bunker. And uh, yes, but I, I want to say uh, I, I'm working on a piece that I would like to put on both sites, Crazy Train Radio and uh, Wrestling Coast to Coast, on promoters that care, that have a heart, that are human based first and the content they're putting forth is just gravy in the uh, Tony Khan and uh, Billy Corgan and, and, you know, Court Bauer too. But I'm also talking about the future breakout stars. I can only think of like one or a couple from WWE Austin theory. If you let that kid go, he's going to be gold, but almost everybody, the future of this biz seems to be in this AW conglomerate with new Japan, with impact, etc. The Keith Lees, as we talked about, Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara's sensational. He needs to, he, he's not going to be able to do that stuff, the, the car crash, the amazing spots forever, uh, the way Dustin Runnels seemingly can at his age, still performing like nobody's business and, and looks a third his age. So everybody in the future of the business seems to be uh, where Tony Khan is. And he's the futuristic promoter when Vince is long gone or if they sell that promotion uh, to maybe somebody who cares or somebody can run it better. I don't know. I guess our hopes were Triple H running it. We used to despise that thought because we thought it would be uh, more Vince and Stephanie in tone. But in reality, uh, look at what Triple H did with NXT. You know, so... Uh, I don't know that what, what stuff to plug. I don't know. Uh, support your newsstand magazines. All we have left in the U.S. is Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and I've been with that company for many, many decades. Columnist, writer, photographer. But there's two in the U.K. Uh, Wrestle Talk, Inside the Ring. There's Fightful out of Canada. There's one in Italy, Tutto Lute. I think it's, it's still. I'm, I'm right for all of them. Obviously, Chukun Pro. That's Weekly Pro. 
baseball in Japan. That's all we got left. So support your indies, support your new stand magazines. I don't know what else. And support a podcast with intelligent commentary like this one. Uh, you know, we're, we're just saying stuff that's that's true to us. And, and and if you have if you have two hundred twenty five dollars for a uh, WWE house show, throw five bucks into the till for a wrestler's GoFundMe. You cheap dirtbag! Come on, come on! I, I hear these fans. I would never throw money into a wrestler's GoFundMe. Some really? of them have been scams. What what about most of them not being scams? You got five thousand dollars for WrestleMania. You money mark. You don't have five bucks for a Legends GoFundMe. Come on, please. Yeah, Jonathan. Actually, when I as I leave, maybe Jonathan can plug what he's he's got several things. We're doing some stuff in just a couple of weeks for charity. Uh, Jonathan's worked tirelessly for that, and. Uh, so uh, I'll leave it at that. I'm sorry I didn't get to meet the uh, promoter. Maybe have him uh, contact me. And uh, maybe that's what you're waiting on is for me to depart the scene so you can bring up your pal promoter. Uh, Jonathan, is he a promoter in Florida? Where does he do his stuff? Yes, he does a lot of stuff out of Melbourne. And I will. I, I think I just actually saw him walk into a restaurant. But maybe, it, maybe not. Who do I, what do I know? But he does Atomic Revolutionary Wrestling. Who are some of his stars? Are, are these, is he using homegrown or does he bring in stars too? He does a mix of both. Oh, that's usually yeah. the best way. Yeah, you have your talent to you know draw fans in, but you also have the up and coming stars as well. And I do want to say before we get into independent things with Evan and Alex is that they are going to be celebrating their fifth anniversary, which you know is a big deal, especially since it's tough to run an independent, especially because of the past couple of years. That's a big, big deal. All right, everybody, well, support. Get the pay-per-view tonight. Enjoy. Everybody have a great time watching it. Everybody, if you're in Florida now, go to Burger U and support them. Support uh, anything and everything. Evan has uh, always a million things going on, and and everybody tonight. That's my uh, Nihongo Japanese for the day. Thank you, Dr. Mike. Hey, Ev. Okay, Mike. My brother, Ev, very shortly. Whoop. There you go. This brand is truly exciting. I'm so glad that they are starting to make a positive impact. Little Bean Soapery is a woman-owned small business based in Northeast Pennsylvania. Little Bean Soapery does so much as all products are handcrafted and offer many different things for both men and women. Soaps, scrubs, body butters, bath bombs, solid cologne, and much more. Little Bean Soapery also does things for special occasions such as birthdays, Mother's Day, Father's Day, and special seasonal gift sets. But also, let's not forget large orders for party favors by request. The great things about all products is that they are crafted to be nourishing on the skin. If you wish to check them out, please feel free to visit littlebeansopery.com. Any questions, please feel free to also email littlebeansopery at gmail.com for custom inquiries and or ask anything else you wish. Tell them that Elena from Crazy Train Radio sent you. So, 
segment three there, we are going to talk about the independence. And as we get Alex uh, over here, he's being a great, it's great. It's like he's running for office because he's walking around with his company's belt promoting smart business. And like you mentioned earlier, Evan, about the convention scene, we were having a little chuckle about that. And they were joking about dad bods and all that fun stuff. So we'll start there. But with it, would you consider the convention scene being the true independence currently? I didn't, I didn't hear the question. Uh, well, with the convention scene being so tight, would you consider that part of the independent scene, or how would you figure no, that no, out? No, I wouldn't. Um, yesterday, we had a convention in Queens, and the undertaker's there, $200 for an autograph, $200 uh, photo op, and uh, greed is not good, and I know undertaker's on your good list for most of the fans, but um, that $1,000 cameo is um, a bit a bit much as well. So I say go out and buy an indie promoter's ticket instead of, of putting more money into a millionaire's pocket and support indie everything. Indie wrestling, indie film, indie music, indie publishing, indie everything. Well, as you were given that lovely example of the big event, Alex made it to the building. Alex, I'm sorry I'm late, man. I'm yes, it's all good. And uh, Alex, as we were saying, I saw you walk in with the belt and stuff, and you were, I was joking saying that you were running for office, present the belt and everything else like that. It might be. It might be. Well, first and foremost, and apologize, we can't have full here because of bar and such. Thank you, Burger U. But you have the fifth anniversary of ARW. So yeah. what is the story with ARW in this big event? Um, ARW, I mean, we started five years ago and we've just tried to try to change the game as far as extreme professional wrestling is concerned. And, um, you know, I'll tell you, in the, in the first two, three months we started ARW, I had so many people say, you're some mark, you're this, you're that. You're not going to last past show one, past show two, past show three. And it's crazy to see us five years later, you know, when we got our big anniversary with, I mean, Nick Gage is going to be there. Um, the Impact World Champion Moose. Like, there's just, there's so much. So it's crazy to see how far it's come, you know, in five years. And Evan is based in New York. He's always been a fan of supporting independence and he's always promoting social media for independence. So I'll ask both of you, but since you run ARW here and have been doing so in the past five years, I was just saying as you were running for office, showing off the belt and such, that it's tough to run an independent uh, promotion, but especially with the past couple of years, what they have been. So what has been, since we're talking the independent scene and everything else like that, what is, in the five years that you've been running, what has been the biggest change of the business? Honestly, the biggest change, at least that I've noticed in the past five years, is there's so many more wrestling companies out there, so many more places to work, um, especially down here in Florida. Uh, there's so many places, and it just, it almost seems like 
oversaturation sometimes because there's I, I i think this sounds bad but i don't mean it bad but there's just too much wrestling out there so then you got people who are going to pick and choose more like hey like for example this weekend aew is taking over all of florida you know I, I can't really think of an independent promotion not even mine that would run this weekend and you know we get slaughtered you know and just so much it's just i think the big change is that there's more places for people to work and more going on so you get people who just pick and choose more where they want to go nowadays, you know um because you got companies like aew um who are out there doing independent wrestling but on a big scale you know so I think in essence, sometimes that helps the smaller promotions, but it also hurts the smaller promotions too. You know? And I know Evan would understand this, and I'll him get a question here as well, because he understands the minuteness of the... Uh, um, I've heard that there's 50 plus wrestling promotions in Florida. So you don't need, you don't need 50 plus wrestling promotions. You need five or six that are putting on great wrestling, okay? That's that's really, indie wrestling should be about putting on great wrestling, putting on great shows where you can sit up close and personal and meet the wrestlers and the kids can interact. You're not, you're not going to meet any wrestlers at a WWE show. At an indie show, it, it's, you know, I, I used to take my I used to take my nephew only to ROH and indie shows. I never once took him to a WWE show where you're sitting three miles away. So put on great indie wrestling. You don't you don't need fifty plus promotions in one state. You need four or five or six on That would be my point. Yeah, and Evan brings up a good point there. And I know it's hard to hear with the background and such, but he mentions about fifty per se promotions here in the state, but there should be a good five to six promotions right? and having the fan interaction with the kids and be able to meet the wrestlers and everything else. Is that what makes ARW uh, stand out compared to what's down here? Um, I, I think what makes ARW uh, stand out more than the other promotions down here is we we kind of went the, the route not really PC, not PG, you know, we don't mind crossing boundaries, cutting lines, because nowadays there's a lot of promotions out there that try to watch where they cross, they try to watch, you know, what they're doing, and with us, with ARW, we just kind of go full balls to the wall. Um, like, we just started the Extreme Underground thing. Um, and it, it, it's like a fight club sort of feel to where it's more like extreme underground hardcore wrestling. There's not much of that in Florida. Cause I mean, you've got companies out there like GCW um, who are killing it with that. But in Florida, there's nothing really like that because in Florida we have NXT, we have AEW, but you don't really have that extreme hardcore gritty deathmatch style wrestling, which that's where our secondary show is created, you know? So I think we went the edgier route, which helped, kind of get us more eyes for the, the hardcore fans who grew up on ECW who wanted to see something edgier, you know? Well, if folks want to check out the upcoming show, the fifth reunion or fifth anniversary show, yeah. excuse me, I need a beer already. <laughs> ready to drink, start Gotta drinking. get ready for the pay-per-view, man. Yes, but uh, where can they get tickets and all that other? Uh, eventbrite.com, keyword Atomic Wrestling. Um, we're actually almost sold out. We got about probably 25, 30% of the building left until we're sold out. Well, how about uh, as far as uh, 
social media is it? Atomica. Yeah, um, actually, you can catch us on Fight TV uh, each and every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. We have our Extreme Takeover Thursday episodes that are on Fight TV Weekly. Um, we're on YouTube slash Atomic Revolutionary Wrestling, uh, Facebook slash Atomic Revolutionary Wrestling, Instagram Atomic Wrestling, and Twitter Wrestling Atomic. So we're all over the place. Well, Alex, I appreciate the time. I know I oh, want to no, get you, you for a full in-depth interview when yes. we can actually sit down and actually yes, have yes, a yes, yes, peaceful yes. set. But I appreciate it, brother. Thank you I, I know I'll see you in the show and probably out in the parking lot before we uh, go inside. What match are you looking forward to tonight? Well, we were talking about this earlier, but I, for me, it's i never seen one live. But I want to see Dog it. collar match. Yeah, yes. That's right there. I'm Dog interested to see. So. Alex, thank you, man. I appreciate uh, real it. Real quick, I got to say, the history that CM Punk has with the dog collar match with him and Raven, one of my favorite matches of all time right there. Raven and CM Punk dog collar match. Evan, that was a ring of honor, correct? Um, yeah, I think so, yeah. So I think I think him and MJF are going to tear down the house. Now. Yeah, it wait. should be good. And we were talking earlier about the investment of the characters, such yes. as like it, there's not many left on the big scale, but MJF is filling that role. Where you, oh, he's doing God, I hate that son of a bitch. You know. Yeah, that, just, that's when you know he's doing it right, though. Yeah, when you exactly. hate him so that's, much, you just want to punch him in the face. You want, like, that, you want that feel for it. But folks, check out the time of revolutionary wrestling. It's going to be fun. Alex, I'll see you shortly. Absolutely. I definitely want to have a beer with you before. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I'll, be around, man. I'll, I'll hit you up. Thank you. Evan, before I let you go, uh, yeah. we were talking about the Florida independent scene there, but what about you? You notice a lot. Is it oversaturated in the Northeast? I'm from the Northeast as well, as you know. But um, It was. It was, but now with uh, COVID hitting, it's took a lot of people down or slowed a lot of people down. So we're not getting the uh, endless stream of, you know, indie shows every single weekend. It's, um, it's fewer and far between. They're coming back now in uh, New York. They're relaxing some of the um, COVID laws and such. Um, look, it's, it's the same principle. You want to see a quality show and the indies tend to you don't need 14 matches you don't need it to go four or five hours you don't need everybody's uh niece nephew girlfriend mistress on the card you know less is more you have six seven eight quality matches that mean something the card builds you shouldn't be numb by the end of the card. You should be exhilarated after a great main event. And, um, you know, indie shows make a lot of the same mistakes. And a, a lot of times on an indie show, everybody and his mother are on a microphone and you know, not everybody deserves mic time either. And, a lot of times the mic is inaudible. You you can't even hear what they're saying. And you're just sitting there and it's like a pounding in your head. <laughs> and it's not profound to begin with what they're saying. So, so um, look, um, I've been to some really great, tightly run indie shows where everybody deserved their spot. And then you have you know, the fiascos where everybody's a ticket seller and they don't even have gear. 
I'm 103 years old. I look more like a wrestler than some of these kids posing as wrestlers. And, um, you know, so establish yourself. It, you know, I make movies. It, it, we, we call it high concept. In 10 words or less, what is the theme of this movie? Or what is the selling point of your indie promotion? What that gentleman said just now is, our promotion is going to be edgier. You're going to care about these characters. Boom. You know, I, I you know, I never heard of I never heard of that promotion until your show just now. Now I'm curious. I'd like to see, I'd like to see it. He sold it. He put that over. It's edgier, it's different, it's more it's more authentic. Boom. I don't want to see 14 matches for six hours with 16-year-olds in jeans and sneakers. I want to see How about Nick Wars? Do you want to see Nick Wars? Not particularly. Okay. Yeah. Or my uh date myself as far as my knowledge of yeah. with, with the promoter's kid. Yeah, you know, you have to eliminate the nepotism and cronyism and uh not everybody deserves a spot. Not everybody deserves to be in the ring. It's uh you know, earn it. It's like, oh, he sold 20 tickets, throw them in. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not a great path to success. Uh, you know. Well, I'll end with this and I'll ask you the same question I asked Dr. Mike before he left us. And what do you have going up? Obviously you dabble with the wrestling coast to coast. You've been involved in movies as people know, but what is coming down the Turnpike for Evan Ginsburg. Um, weekly, we do wrestling and everything coast to coast. You've appeared on it. We usually have a guest. If not, I get to vent about everything I loathe about today's wrestling as well as everything I love about today's wrestling. And I have a book coming out. Uh, wrestling rings, blackboards, and movie sets. 100 tales about my life, you know, making the movie The Wrestler and uh, being involved in wrestling, but it's not just wrestling. Um, I've also worked as an educator um, and in films. So, um, you know, a hundred short stories. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a quick idea since uh, we're um, all focused on the Ukraine and Russia. One of the stories, one of the stories in there, I'm on a plane with Johnny Valiant, luscious Johnny Valiant, and it's two, it's 9-11, but it's like 9-11, 2003 or 2004, like two or three years later. I'm on a plane with Johnny Valiant, and we look, it's one of these like 20 seaters going from like Philly to New York, one of these hop, skip, and a jump little, uh, they call it, puddle jump, as they call it. So we look, we look, we look at the um, pilot. He looks like Lee Van Cleef. He looks like every bad guy in every action movie I've ever seen, you know? And I'm like, Johnny, it's 9-11. Is this guy taking the plane down? And Johnny's looking at me like, oh, so, so we're in the air. And we hit this pocket of air and all of a sudden the plane is shaking and we're like, this is it. This is it. I'm going to go into the ocean 
with with luscious Johnny Valiant, and my name will be like the asterisk, like legendary wrestler, you know, dies on 9-11 with film producer. <laughs> you know, not even my name, like, like an asterisk. And, uh, you know, after the fact, of course, we were laughing about it because we obviously landed safely and everything was good. But just a hundred stories, like interesting experiences. And, 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 I, and some are also tragic. I, I lost a lot of friends in the wrestling business, a lot of... Um, I have a piece on Melissa Coates, a piece on Nicole Bass. I was at Nicole Bass's deathbed. I was there the night before they pulled the plug on her at the hospital. One of my dearest friends. Um, so it's a it's a mix of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Painful, humorous, um, and it's it'll be out later this year. It's in production. It's currently uh, being done, and I'm my. my um, we're treating it like my life's work because it really is. It tells my life story in short, in, in short stories uh, from the beginning up until COVID, up until COVID. And the past two years has been rough. Um, lost six friends to COVID. Some of them also in the wrestling community. And uh, but I appreciate what you do. I appreciate this forum, and uh, you do quality radio. I was on with you a few months ago with Mark Henry and what, what a lovely, delightful guy he is. Nothing but respect for that guy, you know. Uh, so, you know, keep doing what you're doing as well. I appreciate that. And while I was thinking here, as we wrap, the story you just told with Johnny Valiant and you had that conversation, of, oh, geez, it was, especially in that time frame, I'm surprised you guys weren't tackled and cuffed by, uh, you know, air marshals or anything like that oh god is this a 9-11 you know like look, the, 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 so so the pilot looked like a film villain and the co-pilot looked like he just started shaving <laughs> like johnny are we gonna make this, it? It, it this can't go well you know yeah. it was absolutely it was except for a couple of bumps on the way it was absolutely fine it was it was just uh it was you know, looking back in hindsight, it's a funny memory, but exactly, uh, uh, it's um, yeah. You know, Johnny used to say he was one of my closest friends. He would sleep on my couch sometimes. So Johnny used to say, "Enjoy the ride. It's not always about the money." You know, working you know working indies, and he was also a stand-up comedian, and he acted on The Sopranos and such. But it wasn't always big money, and that's why. Again, I always go back to support indie everything. There's a lot of there's a lot of brilliant indie film directors who are making a living teaching films in college, teaching film in college. I mean, they can't pay the bills as an indie filmmaker because uh, every theater is full of a franchise or a comic book movie or you know it's it's it, whether it's indie wrestling, indie film, indie music, indie anything. It's all tough. It's tough. So, you know, may, maybe if I leave the audience with this message, you know, you don't necessarily need to make millionaires richer or billionaires richer, you know, support the little guys like like the gentleman that just came on. And I, I could I could guarantee you, you buy a ticket to uh, Atomic's show, you know, you're going to have a good time for, for next to nothing. And you're going to be up close and personal and 
it's a very different experience than sitting five miles away in a nosebleed seat, you know, for corporate wrestling. And, uh, and, and they just appreciate you. You walk in there, you know, you're like family. You supported their little indie. And uh, I, I just love the atmosphere as well. Most, not all, most indie wrestling. And, you know, and it can't be said any better than that, but I'll put it this way. And just because of the region I'm in, it's been since Wednesday, coming back to the Northeast tomorrow morning. But it's Disney and Bush Gardens, two multi-billion dollar companies. But just based on my experience here as a paying customer was Disney, and I'm not ripping it for because it's totally ripping it for because it's like, oh, you got to reserve three months in advance, this, that, the other. And I get because of COVID protocols and everything else. Okay. But if I want to come spend money, oh, you got to reserve. I didn't know I was going to be here three months ago. I went to Bush Gardens the other day. Oh, you're happy to support the animals and this, that, no? And you want to pay it? Come on in. You know I mean, like, you want two different, like you said, the major corporation, billion dollar. Oh, you want to support us? Come on in. Plus, plus the ticket price to walk into uh, a Disney World or Disneyland or whatnot. I mean, it, should, it shouldn't cost you $1,000 a day to take the kids to an amusement park. I mean, it's ridiculous. And, um, you know, a fair price for a fair day's entertainment. And um, when I see uh, WrestleMania packages for thousands upon thousands of dollars, you know, I, I you know, go, go support 50 indie wrestling shows instead. Seriously. And I won't, I won't go because I know I'll get you on a uh, page with that because I saw your post. But, how about some of the guys for the Hall of Fame besides Taker? I love Taker, don't get me wrong, but not Solo. How about some of the guys you've left listed over the years, you know? Yeah, the, I happen to like Undertaker, but the, the fanboy fawning, he should be the only one to go in. You know, what, what about Dynamite Kid? What, what about... What about Ken Patera, who, who sold out the garden time and time again, one of the greatest heels of all time? One of your favorites, Ivan Koloff. Ivan Koloff, Midnight Express, uh, John the Maniac Tolis. I mean, it, these are some of the greatest wrestlers to ever step foot in a ring. And uh, to say it should only be for one guy, I mean... You know, what, what, about, what about these blue-collar guys from the 70s and 80s who never made millions of dollars like The Undertaker? How about some love for them? Really, really. And, and one last thing, one last thing. Because I do, I do radio because it's good therapy for me. Otherwise, my head would explode <laughs> like on scanners. Yeah, the truth. <laughs> um, one, one last point. Um, the Hall of Fame should not be a popularity contest. It shouldn't be, this guy is on Vince's good list. Ken Patera deserves to be in there. Dynamite Kid, Ivan Koloff, these are some of the greatest wrestlers to ever grace a wrestling ring. It shouldn't be, oh, in 1985, we had words, or in 
1995, we had some legal uh, to do and we weren't on good terms. It, it should be about these magnificent athletes who 300 plus days a year sacrifice their bodies to entertain us, okay? Now, oh, I'm gonna put them in that, um, in that wing, what, what do you call that again? The, uh, where, where they have the, um, the old school guys. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's just like, ugh. like oh, we'll just give a mention to so and so, like a Thez and whatnot. So, yeah, they 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 they'll throw in five or six old school guys. They did that with Ray Stevens last Come year. Come on, yeah, like Ray Ray Stevens. I've interviewed I've interviewed hundreds upon hundreds of legends over the years who said. Buddy Rogers and Ray Stevens were the greatest wrestlers of all time. Their peers said that, prime Ray Stevens. Not 1988 Ray Stevens in the AWA, prime Ray Stevens. The 60s and 70s area. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, don't toss them in with, with six other guys and barely mention them. Give them the full, you know, respect and also Put these guys in while they're alive. You could have put Vader in. You knew he was sick. You could have put Ivan Koloff in. You knew he was dying. Come on. They do it after the fact begrudgingly. You know, it just rubs me the wrong way. But but the, to end on a positive note, yeah. now that COVID's coming down, I'm going to spend my vacation in parts unknown, visiting the WWE Hall of Fame, and I'm going to first go straight to the Ivan Koloff wing in the WWE Hall of Fame in parts right. unknown. It, so, is it, that's that's in the physical spot, the parts unknown, right? That's right, where all the masked guys live. They all live in parts unknown. And the yeah. warrior and all that other stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> Evan, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Always, always a pleasure. Keep up the great work. Thank you, sir. Okay. Hey, this is April Hunter, and you are listening to Crazy Trip.